And Father, as ministers, we, we come together and we set ourselves what you desire to do in this place. We thank you that you are Lord over this conference. You are King and Lord over this conference. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this place to move up and down every aisle, in and out of every row. We release you to be you. We release you to be one who's good, one who's powerful, one who manifests his goodness in our midst. We thank you for having your way in this place today. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We come into your courts with thanksgiving, and we come into your courts with praise. We praise you for who you are. We praise you that you are still doing miracles today. We praise you, Father, because you are fueling us. You are energizing us. You are empowering us to fulfill our call, to fulfill our purpose as ministers, Lord. I thank you, Father, that when we leave here this week, Father, I thank you that we will leave here having gone to another level. We will leave here today knowing, Lord, that, that you have equipped us for this next year. You have equipped us for, 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 the, for the challenge that may face us ahead and to plow through the things, to, to go through things and to, and to rate, take people with us and to lead in our communities, to lead in difficult places, to lead in challenging places, Lord. I thank you that we will leave here with wisdom. We will leave here with, 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 with understanding. We will leave here knowing we've heard your voice, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd. And I thank you that every single one of us hear your voice. And as we hear your voice, you lead us into wrestle play. You lead us into paths. You lead us into good places. You lead our ministries. Lead us in, into what you've called us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, your faithfulness, and we praise you for it. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you for those things that our eye hadn't seen, nor those things that our ear heard, nor the things that have entered into our heart, but those things that you will reveal to us by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we open our hearts to receive, to receive. Hallelujah, to take us into the next steps, to take us into the next places. We receive, we open our hearts to receive by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we have ears to hear. Thank you that we have eyes to see and we have hearts to understand. Oh, Ramonde, Elene Nemande Rendele de de Bocoso, or Ramande Rendele de de Bosoco Rabaya. Oh, we, hallelujah, we expect just a release, a release of the anointing out of the gifts, a release of the anointing out of the gifts. Hallelujah, the gifts of Dr. Savell, the gifts of Richard Roberts, the gifts of Pastor Blunt, Lord. I thank you for a release of the anointing, a release of their wisdom, a release of their giftings. Lord, we desire the best gifts. We desire the best gifts. We set ourselves and we desire 
desire the best gifts because you said the gifts would cause us to profit with all, to cause us to increase. So I thank you as the gifts come forth, as wisdom comes forth, as knowledge comes forth, as power comes forth, as tongues and interpretation come forth, I thank you that it will cause our ministers to rise, ministries to rise, businesses to rise, hallelujah, workplaces to rise, hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that things are rising, things are rising because of the releasing of the gifts, the releasing of the gifts. Hallelujah. We set our expectation to receive. We set our faith to receive. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, so just like that woman with the issue of blood, we have come here. We have come here to, to lay hold of, by faith, the gifts, hallelujah, that are within these ministers. Hallelujah. So as that woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, virtue flowed out. So, Father, we set our faith to receive, and we draw on the gifts. We draw on the anointings. I thank you that, that they have boldness to speak. They have utterance to speak. They have clarity to speak. Hallelujah. Have your way in this place today. Have your way in this place in this conference. We will not leave here like we came, but I thank you that we would be shaken in every way. Shaken. Hallelujah. Things that, things that have, have, have laid hold of ministers, I thank you that they will be shaken off in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And those things that don't belong will not remain on them. Hallelujah. I thank you for a freedom, a freedom, a freedom, a freedom, a freedom. Oh, we thank you for freedom in this place. Freedom in this place. Hallelujah. Freedom in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Free flow in this place. Hallelujah. Leaving this place charged. Leaving this place with no bondages. Leaving this place. Hallelujah. With clarity where they couldn't see, they can see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, we welcome the life of God in this place. We welcome the life of God. We welcome the presence of God. We welcome the glory of God. Hallelujah. Show us your glory this morning. Show us your power this morning. Hallelujah. I thank you that, Father, I thank you interrupt whatever, Father, just, just direct. I thank you that, that you, you just are, are going to flow freely. You're going to fr flow freely. Hallelujah. Rogo, Bandele Basti. Ico nende le basi. 
Iko rabaya ye brandele buku shere ramaya e torandeshti kia oleda boteri de de isto songe na maha delehato rogosa e robogo shonge ne la manda ramande rendele boso o ramate le de de isho so romogosa e randeli kia ndolo bokoso o ramande just continue to stir up the gift stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Ilora masita rabaya. Irobogo shonge de 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 baso. Oh rabakale de masito robosa. E ramande lene ne masoko rabaya. E lene mendi digi isho to robogosa. Alamando rogote de 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 isho. Oh ramande le de baso kote de 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 isho. So ramama mande le de namando robosa. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you're here, you're here. Hallelujah, he's here, he's here. El lobo se que le mahande le y shoko terrabaya. El robo socorrabaya. Y romogo terrebo socorrabaya. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just repeat after me for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say it again for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Say one more time, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 2018 HFMA Ministers Conference. On behalf of Dr. and Mrs. Savell and Pastors Justin and Annette, we are so blessed that you decided to set time aside to join us this week. We believe this will be two days full of revelation straight from heaven and that you will leave here refreshed and empowered to accomplish all that God has for you. Now, stay tuned for some important information. Renewal forms are due by December 31st in order to avoid an additional renewal fee. And just a reminder, all HFMA services will be available on our website, heritageoffaith.com HFMA. During this year's Ministers Conference, make sure to check out the awesome product that we have available especially for you. If you want to add to your library, we have individual sale items as well as bundled items. There are three Ministers Manuals available for a bundled price of $75, normally $30 each. As well, all curriculum is 25% off. We encourage you to go home with items that will prove extremely useful for your discipleship training and individual student needs. These are also great resources to use to develop your people and will allow you to learn alongside them. Books and book sets include Favor of God, Why God Wants You to Prosper, Life of Faith, Prayer Petition, What I've Learned, and more. Don't miss out on these special offers. Quite often, I see that scene. Quite often, I remember that. I have a desire to see that kind of thing happen in my ministry. You, you're not satisfied till you experience it again. And I say, Lord, show me more. Show me your glory. Do you not think that causes you to hunger for more of his presence, more of his power, and more of his goodness? Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. God honors hunger. There is no devil in hell that could stop you from receiving what you have been believing for, praise God. There's an urgency. 
for the glory of God manifesting in our generation. I want humanity set free. That's the purpose, praise God. I can't remember one thing that I've ever hungered for and pursued that God didn't make it happen. Well, why wouldn't he do it where his glory is concerned? Come on, let's put our hands together. Good morning. You ready to praise Jesus? Hallelujah. We're just going to call this a continuation from last night. We had a Holy Ghost service last night. Amen. Here we go. A sacrifice of praise A city on a hill Surrender to your will Your glory on display Your glory on display Awesome in this place Jesus, you are awesome in this place Worthy to be praised Jesus, you are worthy to be Your praise goes on and 
Jesus. Shout Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift up a shout. Lift up a shout. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. We're all Holy Ghost people, right? So we start this next song. Oh, we drink you in today. We drink you in, we drink of your spirit. Oh, la na 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 na, so. Oh, kanamarabarinina na, yes, yes. Keep on going, keep on going. Roma na 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 malokora na na na. All in one accord in the Holy Ghost. Yes, we're all accord and one in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Awaken my soul. Come awake. To hunger, to seek, to thirst. Spirit of God, 
such a time as this, saith the Lord, for it is through you that my great power will manifest in the earth and in ways that most have never experienced before. These are days of glory. These are days of my power. These are days when the faithful shall flourish. So rest assured that I have it all worked out. It's all in my plan and you will not disappoint me. You will fulfill all that I have called you to do, all that I have placed in your heart to do. It will be accomplished. For this is the day of my great power, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's rest in it. Let's relax in it. Let's rejoice in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lay your hands on somebody nearby and just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Just pray in the Spirit. Lambro no mo sombro bekisi telabakata Thank you Father for causing your anointing to increase and to rest heavily upon every person in this building today in the name of Jesus The burden removing yoke destroying power of God Rest upon them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That the captives may be set free. And we thank you for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
All right, let's give the Lord a great shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. You know, I was told that this is a minister's conference. I think ministers ought to be able to give a better shout than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Shake hands with at least 22 people and then you can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. How you doing, sir? Outstanding. So great to have you. Amen. Love you. Hey, Bill. Love you, sir. Love you, man. Him. Love, love you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Welcome, welcome. So good to see you. Mm-hmm. Love you. Hey, how you doing? Did you hug twenty-two people? All right. Twenty-two. Amen. Praise God. So good to have you with us today and hope that you'll be able to stay with us for the entire conference. When I walked in the building, I was just overwhelmed by just your presence here, praise God. Amen. This is a a great group of people and we have um, some great things in store and I believe you're going to enjoy every minute of it. Our theme this year has been everywhere I've preached, Lord, show us your glory. Everywhere we have gone, Lord, show us your glory. And he's been doing it, praise God, and I praise God for it. As I was preparing for this conference, I kept hearing in my spirit Psalm 90, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. The Amplified Bible says, let your work, the signs of your power, be revealed to us, your servants. I believe, praise God, we should hold on to those verses for this conference. Make it our theme. Let, your sign, let the signs of your power be revealed to your servants. Amen. I am delighted to have with us today <clears throat> and throughout this conference Two great men of God that I've known for many, many years, had the pleasure of preaching with them, and and uh, it's a it's a joy to have them in this conference. First of all, Richard Roberts and his wife Lindsay. Richard and Lindsay, stand up, give them a good hand. <clears throat> Amen. This is Richard's third year in a row. Is that correct? Fourth year, third year, uh, to be in the ministers' conference here, and. Uh, uh, I'm delighted to have him back again. And then Pastor David Blunt and his son Daniel stand up. They're from Missouri. Amen. And uh, Pastor Blunt's been with us before. And uh, we always get some great feedback about his ministry and his messages that he shares. So uh, that's our lineup. Of course, uh, don't forget, I'm preaching as well. Praise God. Okay. And. Uh, so we, we are in store for a great time in the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So I want you to just lock in and uh, 
leave everything at home, at home, it'll be taken care of, praise God. Amen. Give God first place and he'll take care of the rest. All right, so this morning, first of all, we're going to have Richard Roberts come and share with you. And so I want you to give him a really good, warm welcome. All right, come on, Brother Roberts. Love you, sir. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord a minute again. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to be here once again. It is the third year. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed and thankful to you and to Carolyn for this opportunity. Lindsay and I are thrilled to be here with you this morning. And praise God for it. Hallelujah. Show us your glory. Amen. You and I have been a number of places together this year, and you've preached that wherever you have gone, and it's gotten into our spirits. And I appreciate that so much. And I'm praising God. Uh, Jerry and I have, as usual, been out on the field ministering. He's been in Cuba, and I've been in India. Yes. So we've been uh, on opposite sides of the world this past week. He didn't have much of a time change, but I had a big time change <laughs> 10 hours worth. So uh, uh, if it's nighttime and I ask for dinner, you'll know why. <laughs> uh, the story is told that this old cowboy came into the saloon and he had his six-shooter at his side. It was crowded. He stepped up to the bar, took a drink, and turned and said, I can lick anybody in this saloon. And nobody moved. Nobody said a word. He turned around and said, I can lick anybody in this town. Nobody moved and nobody said a word. He took another drink and turned around and said, I can lick anybody in this territory. An old cowboy had enough, stood up, decked him. He laid there on his back and he looked up and he said, well, I guess I just took in too much territory. <laughs> the devil has tried to take in too much territory. He's about to be decked. In the name of Jesus, something wonderful is going to happen in this conference. Turn to your neighbor and say, something wonderful is going to happen. Tell them it's going to happen to them. Tell them it's going to happen to you. Something wonderful. If a guy I knew by the name of Oral Roberts was here, he would say, something good is going to happen to you. He said that once on television and there was an elderly lady who was watching. She said, well, let her happen, Sonny. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Something good is going to happen to you. Uh, this past summer in August, uh, Lindsay and I went out to Brother Copeland's Southwest Believers Convention to hear Brother Jerry preach. It was on the Thursday night. And uh, we came in the side and, and they seated us over on the side behind the television cameras and we were kind of craning our necks around uh, the camera to, to see. And um, uh, Brother Copeland came out and ministered for a while, called several people forward, prayed for them, gave them uh, uh, prophetic words, and, and I thought he was about prepared to introduce Brother Jerry. But all of a sudden, he called Lindsay and me up. I did not know that he knew I was in the building, but he did. And he called us up in front of 9,000 people, and here's what he said. And this is where I'm starting this morning. He said, what the canker worm has stolen and what the devil has tried to do has been broken. And the place that he tried to damage 
has been completely restored. Going forward, there will be a leap in your finances, in your family, and in the healing anointing. Also, there will be another leap to teach on the laws of prosperity. And we rejoiced and we praised God and we've been confessing that word. You know, when a prophetic word is given, you can't just stand back and say, my, wasn't that wonderful? You have to call it in. You have to take possession of it and say, that word is mine. The violent take it by force. We must take those words that God gives us. The prophetic word that Brother Jerry gave us just a moment ago, we must say that word is ours. Everybody take your hands like this and say, that's mine. Say, that's mine. That's mine. The only way that the devil can steal it is if you offer it to him. And no one else can take it from you as well. And I, I praise God. So I received that word. Lindsay and I received that word from Brother Copeland. And, and I guess Lindsay, it was a week or two later, we drove out and we spent several hours with him in his uh, uh, aviation office. And we had a wonderful time of, of ministering and, and talking to one another and reminiscing, taking back, going all the way back to his years with my dad and with, with me when I first got to know him back in the 1960s. And uh, we had a wonderful time, a wonderful time of prayer and fellowship together. And he ministered to us again. And I thank God for that. I praise God for that. And uh, I thought this morning in light of that prophetic word, uh, that I would share a little bit on the, on the lines of prosperity because I believe that is an assignment that I, I have. I was, as I said, I was in India last week just outside of Hyderabad and I had 1,060 pastors for five days and uh, I did all the preaching myself. I preached 12 times in five days and had an absolute wonderful time of ministering. I'll share a little bit about that a little bit later and I was sharing with these pastors about about what God spoke to us concerning the laws of prosperity. Uh, most everyone that I know wants to prosper. I don't know really anyone who doesn't want to prosper. And uh, the best way I know is to be a giver. I heard uh, Jesse Duplantis recently, Lindsay was sharing with me a, a message that was on YouTube that he brought. And it was a great blessing to me. Uh, he said that there are four types of giving in the Bible. You might want to get a pen, paper, you might want to get your, your uh, mobile device out and take some notes this morning. He said, that Jer Jesse said there are four types of giving in the Bible. He said the first type is the tithe. And we understand that Abraham established that principle in Genesis. When he rescued Lot and his kin, from those marauding armies and came back to Sodom. He was met by the priest of Salem. His name was Melchizedek. And Melchizedek brought him bread and wine, which was a type of communion. And uh, he said to him, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and the one who delivers him from all of his enemies. Now, I believe that's the first time that Abraham really understood who God was. Or when God spoke to him and his wife to get up from Ur of Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq, and get out on the highway and go to a place that I will show you when you arrive, he didn't really know who was talking to him. He heard a voice, but he didn't 
necessarily know who it was. But now, for the first time, he understood who God was. He was most high. He was the possessor of heaven and earth. And he was the one who delivered him from all of his enemies. And when he understood who God was, the first thing he did was he gave a tithe of all that he had. Now, we know the rest of the story. The king of Sodom tried to come and make a deal with him. And that's what the devil tries to do tries to make a deal. He said, no, I won't even take a shoelace from you lest you say you made Abraham rich. And then he got into fear. And that's what happens to many of us. And if you look at the 15th chapter, you know, he was afraid and God had to come to him and said, don't be afraid. I am your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. So we understand that when we tithe, God becomes our shield and he becomes our exceeding great reward. So we have a great reward coming. And Jesse was, was preaching about how the tithe is the first way that we sow. The second way is through a first fruit offering. And we find that in Leviticus. God spoke to the people in Leviticus and said, take the first sheaf of grain and give it to the priest. And the priest will wave it. And that's the beginning of the wave offering. He will wave it. And so that, that is a principle of sowing off the top and not off the bottom. When I was a boy, we lived on a farm, and we had a couple of uh, milk cows and some other cattle, some Angus cattle and some horses and a few chickens and a, you know, barnyard-type animals. And uh, I, loved to, I loved to milk the cow. When I got old enough, they would they let me get under the cow, and we didn't have any automatic like they have today, but, you know, we, we, we hand-milked. And we had, a lot of, we had a lot of fun because if there were two cows with two of us sitting next to each other, we could pull like this, and then we could turn and squirt each other, you know, like this. And so, and so when, the, when, the, when the container was full, uh, one of the, the farmhands would carry it over to the barn refrigerator and put it there overnight. And the next morning, my mother and I would come down, and we'd get that milk, and she would say, look, son, the cream has risen to the top. And even as I was a very little boy, she was teaching me, son, the best is on the top. Give to God off the top. Don't reach down on the bottom. Don't do what Cain did. Cain gave when he got around to it. Cain gave something that meant nothing to him. And because it meant nothing to him, it meant nothing to God. Whereas Abel gave of his first fruit. Abel gave, Abel gave off the top. And my mother taught me, son, give off the top. Don't give off the bottom. Don't reach down into the reserve, you know, but start on the top. In other words, give your best and give first to God. Put him first in your life. So, so Jesse was saying that the second type of giving is first fruit offerings. The third type of giving is your alms. In the Old Testament, God showed the landowners not to harvest the corners of their fields but to leave the corners for the poor and the needy to come and harvest. And uh, you remember uh, that, that God spoke to Peter and sent him to Cornelius' house. And it was mentioned that God was aware of Cornelius' alms. But Jesus warned us not to do our alms in public. In other words, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't, don't make a show. Some people want to make certain that they are identified with their alms giving. It, it d does something to them, I suppose. But Jesus said, don't do that. When you, when you help the poor and the needy, don't, don't, don't announce it. Keep it to yourself. That's, a, that's, that's the alms 
giving. And, and then the fourth type of giving that Jesse described is the seed. The seed and nothing on this earth can stop the power of the seed except your words. Your words can be negative and can be like pouring gasoline on your seed. That's why it's important what you say. That's why Jesus said in Mark 11, what, uh, he said, Verily I say unto you, what, uh, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then he said, uh, What things soever you desire, in the next verse, when you pray, believe. And that's where many Christians get mixed up. They pray and then they wait, but they don't pray and believe. Your praying and your believing have to coincide with one another. You pray what things ever you desire. When you pray, believe. Right in the midst of your prayer is when you believe. And you shall have it. Now, over in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, or in other words, if you have, a, if you have faith like a seed and if you will plant that seed, then you can speak to your mountain. That's why your seed is so critical. That's why our words are so critical. When we were kids, we heard this, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, my experience is words can and often do hurt you. What you say can kill your dream. What you say can kill your faith. What you say can kill your seed. And so it's very important that we understand when we plant a seed that it goes directly to God. But a lot of people don't take the next step. They plant the seed, but they don't add water to it or they don't add their faith to it. They don't shift gears and go to the next level. And my father taught me, Richard, when you plant a seed, shift gears and look to the harvest. Uh, when I was a boy, a teenager, my grandfather, my mother's dad, taught me how to drive and how to shift gears. He had an old 1954 Pontiac and a Bonneville Pontiac, and it had a, it had a shift on the column. It was long before they had the shift on the floor. And he showed me how to operate the clutch. I was about 14. He showed me how to operate the clutch, put the clutch in. Pull, he pulled forward and down for first gear. But when you got up a little speed and you needed to go faster, then you went up and out and up again into second gear. So you go a little faster. And then when you had run out of second gear, you wanted high gear, then you came straight down through neutral into third to get to high gear. And when you plant a seed, it's like that. You have to shift gears. You no longer look at the seed. You don't go out and dig up the seed and check on it and see how it's doing. You know that it's sown. Now you look to the harvest. You look to the miraculous and you call the harvest in. And you have a Bible right to do that. Jesse was preaching this. It was just it was absolutely fabulous to me. Now, Jesus talked about multiplying it 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times. And also in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11, uh, the word says, I will make you a thousand times more. And I can remember my dad preaching on Deuteronomy 11. I will make you a thousand times more. And he said that a thousand times more is for every area of our lives. 
spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, in our families, in our businesses, in our jobs, in our ministries, in our marriages, with our children, our grandchildren, every area of our life that 1,000 times more applies. And he got a lot of criticism for saying it. Of course, Oral Roberts was not really used to criticism, you know. <laughs> but he got a lot of criticism for saying that. But it's the word of God. And uh, it was a great blessing to me. Now, the question I want to ask this morning is what can stop the harvest from, com from coming? What can stop the harvest from coming as a result of these four ways of giving? Well, I call them blessing blockers, things that block the harvest, uh, things like uh, unhealthy relationships, doubt, unbelief, a spirit of pride, a lack of knowledge of the word of God, just, just uh, Bible ignorance, uh, a lack of patience, uh, holding on to the past, Fear is a blessing blocker. Guilt is a blessing blocker. Uh, anger and a host of other things are blessing blockers. Sin is a blessing blocker. You remember that Joshua and the army of Israel were having great victories. Every place they went, they celebrated a great victory. And one day they started losing where they'd been winning. And Joshua went to God and said, in essence, what's the deal, God? We've been, we've been blessed. We've, we've taken every city we've gone after, and now all of a sudden we're losing, and men are dying. What, what's the problem? And God showed him that there was sin in the camp. And once Joshua dealt with the sin, they started winning again. So there are things in our lives that can become blessing blockers, and sometimes we're not even aware that those things are there. One of the biggest blessing blockers are the negative things that we say. The world says negative things, and if we're not careful, we wind up saying those same things. You know, I just, I just, I really just don't know if I'm really going to make it. Uh, I, I just, you know, I haven't made it before. I, I just don't know if I can make it. I, I, I really don't know if this faith thing really works. You know, I, I, oh, here we go again. I'm, I'm getting sick, you know, or I'm trying to catch a cold. I mean, why would you try? We, we say things and we're not even aware. We even, even flippant things like, oh, oh, my goodness, that just kills me. Why would, we, why would we say that? Why would we allow those negative words to come up? Now, they're going to come up. Negative thoughts are going to come up. The devil is going to come at us with things like that. But we don't have to give voice to it. We don't have to say it. So negative words are one of the biggest blessing blockers. One of the biggest blessing blockers is unforgiveness. Lindsay, Lindsay is the one who said to me, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Now think about that for a minute. Unforgiveness doesn't do anything to them, but it'll kill you. <laughs> As I said, I've just come from India. I was invited to minister to a thousand pastors we actually wound up with 1,060 pastors, and these pastors were from uh, rural areas where there was virtually no internet. And they had come from all over that part of India, particularly in the area where they speak the Telugu language. Telugu is the second largest spoken language in India. More than 100 million people speak Telugu, and that's where we were. And the Lord 
had spoken to me about, well, let's see, I was, I was uh, 67 at the time. I got up that morning to, to pray, and I was sitting on the edge of my bed trying my best not to wake Lindsay up. And uh, I was sitting there on the bed kind of rubbing my eyes and getting prepared to, to go into the next room for time of prayer. When all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and said, your crusade days are coming to an end. Well, I was all of a sudden wide awake when he said that because I had uh, I'd had crusades all over the earth for almost 40 years uh, with my dad and then on my own. And uh, I'd, uh, I'd received invitations from presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens, and I'd laid hands on some 36 presidents of nations all over the earth, had huge crowds up to 200,000 in one service. Uh, one night I saw 25,000 people give their hearts to the Lord in one service. And, and I said to God, if, if I'm not going to do crusades, what am I going to do? What, what do you want me to do? Is, is my life over? Is my ministry over? He said, no. And he reminded me of what my father prophesied over me before he died. He said to me, son, when you get into your mid-60s, you will become a minister to ministers. He said, your crusade days will come to an end, and you'll teach on healing, the Holy Spirit, and seed faith. Well, I had forgotten it. But the Lord reminded me of that prophetic word. And he said, now it is the time. And uh, I, I didn't know how to start. I didn't know what to do. I just said, oh, well, okay, Lord. And he said, the way you'll know it's me is all of your invitations to nations from presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens and ambassadors will dry up. You're not going to get invited by one, one of them again. But instead, you're going to start getting invitations from ministers all over the world. I said, well, okay. And it began to happen. And we began to, I got our staff together, and I told Lindsay, and, and all of a sudden, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay was praying, and God gave her an idea. She said, why don't you get a tablet, and why don't you put as much resources on it as you can, and uh, as well, not only printed, but also audio and video, and why don't you take it to, these, to pastors in underdeveloped nations where they don't have internet access, where they are desperate for teaching, where they have given their life to God in a crusade or something, uh, but, but they really don't know how, how to be a pastor. They've never had any training, and nobody goes to them because they're in remote areas. They're in the jungle, they're in the bush, they're in the desert, they're in the mountains, and, and they're not in the cities, so they don't have access to Internet, and, and they, they have nobody to teach them, and nobody goes to them. So she, she gave me the idea, and, and, and we took that idea, and we did just that. And we developed a, a tablet and, 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 uh, with 20,000 pages of resources. Now, there's no Internet on the tablet. I mean, obviously, they don't have Internet, so why would you put Internet on it? No cell phone service. They don't have cell phone service. So we put it on chips, and we loaded it, 20,000 uh, pages on chips, as well as hundreds of hours of audio and video, plus my entire online school. My dad had prophesied over me before he died that I would build an online Bible school, which I have done with almost 50,000 students now in 100 nations. And, and we put all that on this tablet. And so I've been traveling to these underdeveloped parts of the world and ministering on healing, Holy Spirit, seed faith, laying hands on them, anointing them with oil, ordaining them under the auspices of our ministry, and then giving them as a seed one of these tablets. And that's what I was doing in India. And uh, some remarkable things happened. There were, there were some tremendous tremendous healings that happened and uh, one, one, one particular thing one man came and said I'm from a group that does not believe in healing and does not believe in speaking in tongues 
And I said, why are you at this conference? <laughs> well, <laughs> he said, when you were preaching last night, all of a sudden, I burst into tongues. And then I heard word when I got back to the United States that on the following Sunday, he told the testimony in his church and his whole church began to speak in tongues. It's amazing. But I'm leading up to a, to a, to a testimony. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, you know, Brother Copeland can keep five stories going at the same time. But <laughs> there was a group that had come to the conference there are 95 churches in this group, and nine years ago, they had a falling out. The leaders had a fight, an argument, and they broke up. They had a split right down the middle, and they haven't talked to one another, communicated with one another in, in nine years. But both groups came to the conference. They were sitting on opposite sides of the aisle, and on the last morning, I preached on forgiveness. And I reminded them that after Jesus gave those, that word in Mark 11, 23 and 24, which we all quote, that we, we seldom go to the next verse. And when you stand praying, forgive. And I had shared with the people how, how uh, and, it, and they translated into Telugu, how unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Well, after the message, I don't know why I did it, but I said, well, let's stand and pray one for another like James taught us in chapter 5. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And I explained uh, how that operated, that we weren't praying for ourselves. We're praying for their healing, but that healing can come back to us. And so uh, they began praying one for another on one side. Then after the prayer, I don't know why I did this, but I said, now turn to the person on the other side. Well, the two leaders... Uh, these two groups happened to be sitting across the aisle from one another. They had not looked at one another. They had not spoken to one another. They had just sort of turned up their nose at one another. But when I said that and they turned the other way, there was no one else to, for them to pray for because everybody else had already paired up. So they walked across the aisle and sheepishly began to lay hands on one another. Then suddenly they both began weeping, crying. They were totally healed, totally restored. All 95 churches have come back together. I just got the testimony on Saturday when we returned. Unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. It's a killer. And almost every one of us has someone in our lives that we need to forgive. You know, maybe, maybe it's from years ago. Well, this conference is a good place to say, I'm going to let that go. Now, uh, Lindsay gave me something that's very, very powerful. She, uh, it was, uh, there was a man who had done some pretty bad things concerning me. And she said, take a piece of paper and write the person's name and then draw a line down the middle and on the other side of the line, write down what they did. So I did it. She said, now, tear it down the middle and toss away what they did and forgive the person. She said, you don't have to forgive what they did. What they did was wrong. But you've got to forgive the person. That's right. Amen. That's good. Amen. Now I'm looking around the room, and I'm seeing some names come across your minds. People that have done you wrong. And maybe you've tried to 
bury it. Maybe it's back somewhere back in the recesses of your mind. But today is a mighty good day to forgive them and to let them go. That may be one of the reasons why the fullness of the blessing hasn't come into our lives. So, Father, right now, even in the middle of this message, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind the name of anyone who has offended or hurt us or done something that was unscrupulous or wrong against us or lied against us or cheated us or defamed us or defrauded us in some way. And I pray right now that every one of us, seeing that name now as, as you bring it to our minds, that we would forgive them and let them go. Let's pray this out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, I can see this person. <laughs> and in Jesus' name, I forgive them. I let them go. What they did was wrong. But I forgive them. For you said, if I don't forgive, then neither will you forgive me. So I let them go in the name of Jesus. I freely forgive them. I no longer hold it to their account. I have every reason but I have no right. In Jesus' name, I let them go. Now just begin to give praise and honor and glory to God. Praise the Lord. Oh, it just, it, it, it's so freeing. It's so freeing when you, let, when you let those people go and you give them to God. Because if you could have handled them, you would have already handled them. But since you can't handle them, let God handle them. Payday always comes. Doesn't always come on Friday, but it always comes. Leave them in God's hands. Let them go. Forgive them. Let them go in Jesus' name. Somebody give praise to the Lord. That's, 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 that's really, really good stuff. Now, let me give you some principles. Understand that with God, anything and everything is possible. There's nothing too hard for God. Imagine the nurses and doctors in the emergency room when a 100-year-old Abraham and 90-year-old Sarah showed up. <laughs> Imagine the look on their faces when she came in to have a baby. I mean, how likely is that? But there's nothing too hard for God. Amen. And God may have, have said something to you that in the natural it just seems impossible. But nothing is too hard for God. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. And that's a part of what Brother Jerry was prophesying just a few moments ago. That God said it, he, you, you said prophetically, if he said it, then we are able to do it. Amen. There's nothing that God has called you to do that you cannot accomplish. Nothing in this world that you can't do if God has anointed you and God has called you to do it. So don't use the word impossible. Cut it out of your dictionary. Nothing is too hard for God. Here's another principle. You must have a vision. For without a vision, you perish. 
Proverbs 29, 18. Lay it out and call it in. When the Lord spoke to me as I sat on the edge of our bed and told me that my crusade days were coming to an end, that I would launch into a new phase of life, the first thought I had was, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's oftentimes what happens because our mind begins to work and we start thinking about the reasons why it can't come to pass. Instead of saying like Mary did when the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby and you haven't had any relations with a man. She said, Lord, let it be unto me even as you have spoken. Open your mind and your heart to the possibility that God will bring it to pass. And then lay the vision out before God. Lord, here's what I feel as a result of what you've told me. Write it down. Make the vision plain. That's what we did concerning these tablets. And now I'm getting invitations from pastors groups all over the world, just like the Lord said. And it's, it's working. It's working. I, I've received so many testimonies as a result of this last trip. The, the leaders there that helped organize it are sending emails. Now, they're, they're getting calls and, and testimonies from the pastors, but they don't, have, uh, they don't have a communication system where they live, so they're getting the word to the leaders, and the leaders are emailing me, letting me know what, what, what's happening. And testimony after testimony, I just got another group of them this morning, that are coming in as a result. They're, they are laying out their vision, and these, these 1,060 pastors made a commitment to me and to the Lord this last week. Each of them are going to build three new churches every year. Well, in one year's time, that would be 3,000 new churches. India is the second most populous nation in the world. 1.3 billion people, fewer than 100 million Christians. And they worship 3 million gods. You talk about an opportunity to win people to Christ. You talk about an opportunity for the gospel. And while I was there, my heart was so deeply touched. That was a place that I didn't want to go. Now I can't wait to go back because God has laid that vision on my heart and I have written it down. I'm making it plain unto God. So write it down. Make it plain when God speaks to you. Number three, the, the, the third uh, the, the third principle I want to give you is recognize that there is a magnetism of attraction. A magnetism of attraction. Seed attracts harvest. When I was a boy, my mother took me out behind our house and said, we're going to plant a garden. And we dug the little trenches and she started giving me the seed, but she saw that I really didn't know what I was doing. And she reached into her apron. My mother always wore an apron. She had a different apron for every day of the week. And she pulled out a package of tomato seed. And on the front of the package was a picture of red, juicy tomatoes. She handed it to me. And I looked at that picture. I was just five or six. And I looked up at her and I said, Mother, is this what it's going to look like? She said, yes, not today, not tomorrow, not next week. But the day will come when we'll come out here and we'll gather in armloads of tomatoes. And I got a glimpse of the harvest. So I was out there every day watching. And I saw the tomato vines come up out of the ground. And we had to get some chicken wire and build a, a 
kind of a structure for the for the vines, and then the little buds came out, and first they you know they, they were they were yellow, and then they kept getting darker, and they kind of kind of turned like an orange, and then they began to get red, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and each day I was out there watching, I was I was watching, I was looking for the harvest, and the day came when she said, now it's time, and we got some bushel baskets. And I got as many in my arms as I could hold, but I had to use the basket. You know, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. Something very special about a seed. There's a magnetism. There is a magnetism of attraction, and your faith to your seed is so important. And I think that's the real reason why God gave my father the phrase seed faith. Because I believe he was talking about the faith that you're, or the fact that your, your faith has to be attached to the seed. That's what makes it seed faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. For he or she who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you want to please him, you have to have faith. And God has given each one of us faith. We have faith. We know that. God has given to every man the measure of faith. So we don't have to go get faith. We have it. We just must use it. And when we attach our faith to our seed, it not only becomes uh, a sacrifice acceptable, but it becomes well-pleasing to God. According to the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, he said it's well-pleasing. Well, the only way it can be well-pleasing is if their faith was attached to it. So therefore, attaching our faith to our seed is critical. Now, the world thinks we're crazy when we say that. And so why don't we just plead, you know, they'll say, well, you're, you're out of your mind. Why don't we just plead guilty and say, yes, we are out of our minds and we're into our spirits where we belong. They may not understand. I'm not concerned about whether or not they understand. I'm concerned about the principle working in my life, planting seed, adding my faith to it, and looking for the harvest. Now, the next principle is in all your seed planting, don't forget to be aggressive about your harvest. You probably have heard Brother Jerry tell the story uh, a number of times. I heard him tell it a couple of months ago for the first time, and you probably heard him tell it, but you've never heard me tell it. So I'm going to tell Jerry's story this morning. Uh, Jerry, I hope I get it right. Jerry was driving from Oklahoma City up into Kansas, western Kansas, and it was harvest time, and that's a wheat-growing area of Kansas, western Kansas. And it was beautiful at harvest time. He had his service in the city and then decided to drive back to Oklahoma City late that night. And as he was driving down that, that lonely highway, going back to Oklahoma City, he saw lights in front of him. And it looked like it might have been an oncoming car, but it wasn't. As he got closer, he saw that it was a combine. And there was a farmer who was out in the field at midnight bringing in his harvest. While all the other farmers were asleep, this one farmer was aggressive about bringing in his harvest. And when he told me that story, it reminded me we must be aggressive 
about our harvest. We must go after it with everything that is in us. We say let everything that is within us give praise to God. Well, in the same way, we've got to be that aggressive about going after our harvest because it's our Bible right. When we plant seed, we have a Bible right for God to use it for His glory and then multiply it back to each one of us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, the word is either true or it's a lie. Well, I believe it's the truth. So since it's the truth, I'm going to accept it, I'm going to act on it, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to receive it by faith. It's going to come into my life in Jesus' name. So in all of your seed planting, don't forget to believe for the harvest. Never just sow your seed indiscriminately and say, well, I wonder if this is going to work. No. Be aggressive about it in Jesus' name. And I, I can see that combine in the story that Jerry told, you know. Now, in the middle of it, you know, you may get knocked down. Something may happen. Things in life happen. The devil comes against us to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And it's not so much when we get knocked down, but what happens when we get up? And I'm going to steal another one of his stories right now. He, he told me he was walking through a shopping mall and there was an African-American man who came walking by. Well, I don't think walking is the right word. I mean, he, was, he, was, he, he had on all white. He had a white hat. He had a white suit, white shirt, white tie, white shoes. He, had, he was decked out and he was strutting through the mall. He came to the escalator, got on it, tripped, slipped, and tumbled all the way down to the bottom of the escalator. And Jerry just watched. And you'd have thought, you know, something bad happened. But he picked himself up, dusted himself off, and said, well, all right, and just kept on. <laughs> it's not the fall. It's what you do when you get up. Everybody gets hit. Everybody gets knocked down, knocked around once in a while. Everybody has some bruises on themselves, you know. Everyone, I remember once, Lindsay and I were on, we were on live television, and uh, I was, I was going to sing a song at the end of the program. We were, were live, doing the show live. And, uh, and uh, the, the, I had a choir on and an orchestra, and they were supposed to start the song. And I was supposed to, to once I introduced them, they were going to start, and then I was supposed to jump up and run around behind the stage and come back, and they were going to part, and I was going to walk right the middle of them. Well, I introduced the song. The orchestra began to play. They began to sing, and I jumped up and started running around behind the set. I didn't see a lighting pipe that was right about my eye level. And just as fast as I could run, all of a sudden, wham! This thing just smacks me right in the head, knocks me sillier than I already am. And, uh, and, and uh, the first thing you do, you know, you grab your head. Well, there's blood everywhere. Blood's running down my face. Blood's all over my hands. And, and they're coming to the place in the song that I'm supposed to start singing. And we're live. I grab my handkerchief, I'm, there's blood everywhere, <laughs> and I'm singing a song about the blood. <laughs> and we're live. You can't say, stop the tape. Let's start again. You can't do that. And so I, I, I just, I walked on, had the handkerchief in my hand, walked on, I'm, I'm wiping the blood. I'm singing, the blood that Jesus shed for me. <laughs> Uh, 
I mean, there are times in life when you get hit that you just have to persevere. You're not going to let anything stop you. I mean, you just, you just get up and you do what you're called to do. The Apostle Paul was acquainted with that. In one passage, he described how he had been beaten with rods, beaten with chains, put in jail, in peril, in, in, in the deep of, of, the, of the Mediterranean Sea, bitten by a snake. I mean, imagine what a jail, look what the guy went through. But there was no quit in him until he said, I have finished my course. And you and I, we are going to finish our course. And we're going to do it with joy. Now, I didn't say everything is good. But God somehow takes everything that we go through and he works it together. Paul and Silas were not praising God because they were in jail. But while they were in jail, they were praising God. And that's when the earthquake came and that's when they wound up leading the jailer and his family to the Lord. Not everything that we face is good, but God will take that situation that may not be good or seem like it's good and he'll turn it around for us in Jesus' name. Now, the, the fifth and final principle, when you sow, talk to it. Talk to it. Bless it. Tell it where to go and tell it what to do when it gets there. Command it. In Jesus' name. At the beginning of World War II, Admiral Chester Nimitz was in charge of all the naval forces of the Pacific. And they were getting ready for a major battle. And Admiral Bill Halsey, who was the, called Bull Halsey, was the, the leading commander of, of, out on the waters of the, of the task force, the aircraft carriers. And Bill Halsey came down with a, with a rash that covered most of his body and he had to be hospitalized in Honolulu. And it looked like that they were not going, they were not going to have the leader that they needed. And Chester Nimitz did something very unusual. He called on a junior officer by the name of Ray Spruance to lead what turned out to be the Battle of Midway, which was the turning point in World War II in the Pacific. It was only about less than a year after Pearl Harbor. It was the turning point of the war. And he went, uh, uh, Nimitz went into the hospital to visit Halsey. And Halsey uh, is all covered. They've got salve all over him, and he just, he's just covered. And, and he's, he's mad. He's spitting nails because he knows he can't lead this, this charge. He can't lead the battle. And uh, Nimitz says to him, Halsey, uh, who, who, should I, who should I put in charge? He said, you need to, you need to get Ray Spruance. And uh, Nimitz says, well, I just can't imagine what the Pentagon, what Washington is going to say when I put a junior officer in charge. Halsey said something I'll never forget. He said, Chet, when you're in command, command. When you're in command, command. And God has given us the right when we plant our seed to command. We can talk to it. We can command it. We can tell it where to go. We can tell it what to do when it gets there. I got home one night late from preaching 
Lindsay was already asleep. And I was quiet as I could. I got in the bed, and there was a sticky note stuck to my pillow. Lindsay is world famous for sticky notes. She puts it all over my mirror. I can't even shave half the time because I got sticky notes. Do this. Remember this. Don't forget this. Remember this scripture. Do this. Preach. She'll put an entire sermon on my mirror. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. But she put this sticky note right on my pillow where I couldn't miss it. It was not one of those little tiny notes. It was a big note with the sticky on the back all over my pillow. So I picked it up and I read it. And it said, your seed can go where you can't. Well, there was no reason to try to sleep because I, I, I couldn't get that off my mind. Your seed can go where you can't. And I began preaching on that. And it, it, it did something to me. I learned to talk to my seed, commend it, tell it where to go, tell it what to do in Jesus' mighty name. And it must obey. Amen. Now, it may happen overnight. It may not happen overnight. The tree that Jesus cursed apparently on the outside appeared like nothing was happening. The disciples saw it. They went on into town. But when they came back the next day, Peter said, look, Jesus, the tree that you cursed yesterday has withered up from the roots. And what did Jesus say? Have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Amen. Now, when Jesus spoke that word, that tree died. It just took a little while for the tree to get the message. If you go out here in the field and you take an axe and you cut a branch off a tree and it falls, those leaves are still going to be green. Although that branch is on the ground, the trees, the leaves are still going to be green because the tree has not yet gotten the message. But you, give, you let a few hours go by and those leaves will turn brown. It's dead. And it's not coming back to life again. We have that same kind of power with our words. When we say it and when we believe it and when we refuse to doubt in our hearts but believe that those things which we say shall come to pass. And when we add our seed to it in Jesus' name, nothing shall be impossible unto us. The prophetic word this morning that Brother Jerry gave, gave us, we can do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we can do it. Tell them you can do it. Tell them I can do it. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Somebody give praise to the Lord this morning. And this is part of the calling that God has put upon me now to ministers. And notice that I'm here this morning with ministers. So I am fulfilling my destiny. I don't believe it's an accident. I believe God divinely spoke to Brother Jerry to ask me to come because I have a divine destiny with ministers. My whole life has changed over the past several years. And I give glory and I give honor to God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and let's begin to praise him. Father, it's not by might. It's not by power but it's by the Holy Spirit. For it is in you, Father, that we live and move and have our being. And I praise you today. I give you honor. I give you glory. For this is the day that you have made. You made this day. The devil did not make this day. This day is not designed by him. This day is designed by you. 
our lives are made by you. We were created only a little bit lower than the angels. Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do it because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Now, Lord, there are ministers here who have come from all over the United States and other nations. And I praise God for each of them. And I pray today that this word and every word given through Pastor David, through Brother Jerry, through me, and through anyone else that the Lord calls on even spontaneously to speak in this conference, that every word will be a word in season that will strike and be planted into our hearts. And it'll be a word that we will not only receive for ourselves, but we will take it and preach it for we have no copyright on what we're preaching. We want it to go to the nations of the earth all over the world for an end time harvest of souls to populate heaven and plunder hell in the name of Jesus. Father, I praise you. I give you honor. I give you glory in Jesus' name. Who needs particular uh, healing this morning? Anyone who needs particular healing, stand up and let me pray over you this morning. If you need a particular healing in some area of your life, you don't have to tell me what it is, just some particular area that you need prayer over and you want someone to agree with you, let me be that someone. Let me be your prayer connection. That's what Lindsay and I have been saying on Facebook uh, each week. I do Facebook Live on Wednesdays and she does her Facebook Live on Thursdays. Hers was supposed to be a little later this morning, but we did it in the car coming over here. You know, you can do Facebook Live in your car. It's amazing. And uh, we, had her, we had her Facebook uh, time. She calls it Thursday Pray Day. She did her Facebook in the car over here just as, as we got on this side of Fort Worth. You know? and, and so we can always stop, time, stop for healing prayer. And one of the things I challenge these pastors, I said, can you imagine what would happen in India if this coming Sunday, which would be the last Sunday, if every pastor in India at the close of his message would stand up and say, is any sick among you? Let me call for the elders of the church and let us anoint you with oil and let us pray the prayer of faith because the prayer of faith shall save the sick person and the Lord will raise you up. I said, can you imagine what would happen? I said, well, let me answer my own question. A healing revival would break out throughout the whole nation of India. People would begin to get healed and because of it, people get saved when they see the miracles because the biggest altar calls I've ever seen in my life have happened after people have seen the miracles. The night I saw 25,000 Muslims give their heart to the Lord was after they saw a boy who had never walked began to walk for the first time in his life. When people see the miraculous, they want to give their hearts to someone who can do that. But can you imagine what would happen in every church here today if this coming Sunday every pastor stood up and said, is any sick among you? Let me call for the elders of the church and let's anoint, let us anoint you with oil. And let us lay hands on you and pray the prayer of faith because the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise you up. I'll tell you what would happen. A revival, a healing revival would begin to break out like never before. Anybody else need prayer? You want to stand up? <laughs> Father, in the authority of Jesus' name, I give you praise, I give you honor, and I give you glory. Lord, I come against this need, be it physical or spiritual or emotional, or in some other area, or financial, in the authority of Jesus' name, I come against it. I bind it. I curse it. I rebuke it now. 
Satan, you take your dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy hands off. These are your prime ministers in this nation and in other nations. We are sent here by divine destiny. And Lord, it's not your will that any of us be sick or have anything like this in our bodies or in our families or in our finances or in our emotions or in any other area of our lives. So I take authority over it. I command it in Jesus' name. Come out. I pray for you to be loosed and set free in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, in your family, in your finances, in your ministry, from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet. Not in my name, but in the name of Jesus. I pray, I believe, and I expect a miracle. Well, come on, give a, give a praise. Amen. So let it be. So let it be written, so let it be done. Everybody say, I expect a miracle. Turn to your neighbor and say, I expect a miracle. Turn on the other side and say, I expect a miracle. Turn behind you and say, I expect a miracle. <laughs> That's a pretty good phrase, isn't it? Expect a miracle. You want to know who said that first? I think it was a guy named Oral Roberts. See, we were in Miami in the 1950s, and there was a group of atheists that had vowed to come and shut the crusade down and to perform a citizen's arrest upon my dad because they said he was practicing medicine without a license because he was praying for the sick. And he went to our hotel room in the afternoon, which he always did about 3 o'clock, to take a little brief nap and get his Bible then and study and prepare for the message that night. And he fell asleep, but he was awakened by a hand on his shoulder. He thought it was my mother, but the room was empty. We children and my mother were next door in the adjoining room. And he sat up on the edge of the bed aware that the Lord walked into his room and said these words, Oral Roberts, expect a miracle. <laughs> That's how it started. That's how that phrase came. And the message that he planned, he changed and retitled it, Expect a Miracle, that night. I remember it, because <laughs> I was there. And that word caught on all across churches around the world. Expect a miracle. Turn to somebody and say, Expect a miracle. <laughs> and then the Lord said, Expect a new miracle every day. Not just some pie-in-the-sky miracle somewhere in the wild blue yonder, but a new miracle every day of your life. Hallelujah. Somebody give praise to the Lord. Brother Jerry, come on, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Jerry, I'm quitting early because Hezekiah 2.6 says, he who speaketh short shall be invited again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I made that up. You made that up? Okay. That's First Richard then, huh? You enjoy it this morning? Praise God. There's much more to come. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the best is yet to come. Not that that wasn't good, but the best is yet to come. I follow Richard. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, just go ahead and stand if you will. 
And uh, let's take a short break. Be back in here at 1045 and we'll begin our next session. Okay. All right. Great.